Hello my wee fam, hope everybody's been doing good. And as always, here's my disclaimer, do not come for me, I am not a licensed professional. Again, I'm gonna make this one short and sweet. Do not come for me, I am not a licensed professional yet. Here for this podcast, I have someone special that I would love to introduce, and he is my dad. Hello, daddy. Hi, Andrea, how you doing, baby? I am good, how are you? I'm doing real good, excited to be doing your podcast. (laughs) I'm excited we finally had the time. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you that don't know, um, I am one of five. There are, um, I have two brothers and three sisters. And uh, we are going to be talking about fatherhood and, you know, what it's like to be a dad and how it's shaped my dad. And just a few things. We're going to kind of go back and forth on a few things. Um, in conversation, but it, the main story, I mean, the main thing today we're going to be talking about is like dad, you know, being a dad and how that shaped my dad. And I know there's a difference between fathers and dads. So that's why I'm going to con- continue saying dad, but daddy, <laughs> mm-hmm. how did being a dad shape you? Like how, how, how did it help you? Or do you feel like it hindered you or what, like, what did it, how did it help you or hinder you? If, if, if it did hinder you or in any, in, in any way? Well, we go with the negative first. The hindrance of being a father was I didn't use the platform or the blueprint that my dad used. My dad being Johnny Sampson Jr. That was as close to an excellent father as a father could have ever been. And had I used this blueprint, I could have been a much better dad or father early on. But you said one of five, but you're one of six kids. One of six, yes. Uh, (laughs) My four daughters and my two sons. I was, um, by my standards, I was a mediocre father. For my daughters, I would have given myself an F minus for my sons uh fast forward on my sons i didn't become a field that i was validated as a father until my dad passed and my baby son came to my dad's wake on a thursday night and unbeknownst to me uh he came my my daughters were already aware of the fact that he was coming and uh when he walked in the convention center there in New Bern, North Carolina, I looked up. Some actually, someone had said, "There's shame," and I looked up and saw my son. And the emotions uh, that came over me were emotions that I had never shown that my son. And I grabbed that young man and hugged him like I had never hugged him before in my life. So. My story is a conflicting story because the end story is better than the, 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 the beginning story on Shane. The end story meaning that when I saw him that night, that's the first time I ever felt qualified or validated to be a father to my son. Mm-hmm. And sub- subsequently, uh, after that night, uh, when the f- family got, to get, got together after my dad's funeral, we had a chance to talk and fellowship with other family members at the uh, at the uh, repass so 
again, my story is a conflicting story because the earlier part, I wasn't a qualified father. The end part is what made me feel qualified. And I always had the tools to be a qualified father because my dad uh, trained us how to be men. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, I didn't take that lesson seriously enough. Mm. Yeah, that that is powerful. And I don't know why I said five. I'm trying. I think I tried. I excluded myself or something. Even though I said I'm one of five. <laughs> there is six of us. There is six of us. <laughs> so, so nobody. So, so you know, you see, I was listening. Right. Right. <laughs> and so I have. I have. So I know we talked prior to um, this a, a little. What about two months ago when we're when we're going to do it the first time and. Um, there is one piece, and I'll ask this later down the line because I'm going to go into something else real fast and I'll come back to this because okay. it actually goes all together. But okay. um, how do you feel or wh what do you feel that you could have did better even having like your daughters or, and I know that uh, Seanette and I, we got to have you in the house with us. And I remember having a conversation one time with, um, with somebody and I was like, you know, they were like, well, how do you think your other brothers and sisters feel? Because you guys had, had him in the house with us, with you guys. And I said, well, truthfully, we all kind of suffer. Cause we, even though he was in the house with us, he still wasn't really present with us. And you, you and I have talked about that too. Mm -hmm. And, yes. um, and I think people think, you know, oh, well, you, you got, you know, you always children that have it, have it better when you live in the house with the, with their dad than the children that don't. But really, everyone kind of hurts in that, in that action. I mean, in that moment, do you feel that is the same? Do you feel like the children really hurt no matter what, whether the dad's in the home or, or all the children are in the home together? Well, for a fact, I know. It, 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 it's true because, as you said, I was there and you and Seanette was there. But with my insecurities, with my insecurities, I wasn't able to be a good father even to you and Seanette. And trust me, I, I, I felt bad because I wasn't able to give you and Seanette, the love that you deserved, as well as the other four kids. But I had insecurities within myself. And it's not something that um, that was I could easily overcome. I should have been able to because of the, again, the blueprint that my dad gave to me. He gave me a positive, positive, positive role model blueprint as far as church, Sunday school, involved in all of our activities it was eight of us he was involved in all of our activities although i lived home early on but while i was there and before i left as a teenager daddy gave us unconditional love mm -hmm. i had insecurities and i won't go into details because you know i know people want truth but sometimes if you go into details you put other people down you hurt other people that the, the 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 damage could be irre, uh, irreversible, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm, I'm so I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the the blame on me and saying that I had the blueprint to change, but I had insecurities within myself that wasn't able that didn't uh, allow me to, excuse me 
allow me to give the love to my kids that I should have given. The ones in the home and the ones outside of the home. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Do you... um? Do So, okay, I'll say this. I know growing up for us, you know, we've seen different things. So, yeah. you know, I know people always say, when you grow up, you're going to end up nine times ten getting somebody like your dad. And I'm like, no, don't do that to me. You know, like, don't say that to me. And I'm like, wait a second. And then, but it does. It really does shape you emotionally and mentally because you, as young women, and then turning into women, we usually do nine times ten first go after someone that is somewhat similar to our to our dads to our fathers uh-huh. and then it's like I, for me it's been a blessing because yes i got to see you know different things but at the same time to still have you alive now i get to see the man that you are and then my my narrative and my visions and my everything changes on how I look at myself, how I feel about myself, how I view myself as a woman and for the man that's in my life and standing by my side. You don't choose that no more because it is a choice. It's like, it's almost like a magnet. You know, you shouldn't choose that, but you choose it anyways. And I think that helped a lot. Um, when you finally started doing the inner work for yourself and that made me look at you like, okay, that is my dad. Because there was times that you would tell me that you love me and I'd be like, you too, because I couldn't say it back to you at that time. You know, because I didn't feel that you really meant it, but I know you did. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it then. Like like now we have, I mean, we've always had a good relationship, but we have an amazing relationship now, you know, as as dad and daughter. Yes. Um, and I would tell people that I'm like, my mom, my mom and dad probably get they I probably get on their nerves because I call them all the time. And if I don't call you guys, then you guys call me like, why ain't you call? Where are you at? What are you doing? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and I think that's so powerful because there are a lot of good black men out here that are dads. And but, you know, when childhood traumas or triggers come up, it kind of. I think it alters decisions. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that's true? Yes, yes, I, I know for a fact it's true. Well, see, with me, and again, I have to, I have to be redundant. I have to use redundancy because I had the right blueprint, but again, there were inadequacies within my personal self mm-hmm. that made me not feel. A complete person, a complete man. Well, matter of fact, let's expound on it. Um, now, as I said, and, and when you asked me to do this interview, I said if I had to do anything that would be derogatory or disrespectful to anyone, I, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. But in order for people to know why I was the way I, I was, was it because, now I said Johnny Sampson Jr. was my, my, my father. There it is. Mm-hmm. And, and here's where normally... I don't, I, I detest making any statements about someone else being my father. No disrespect to the to the person because my mother made sure, and daddy, Johnny Sampson made sure that my natural father, uh, I knew about my natural father. Yep. But see, when, but when I found out as a youth, a little child, that my father, Johnny Sampson Jr. wasn't my natural father, Earl Lee Green was my natural father. It had a devastating effect on me, mm-hmm. so much so that I started to rebel. You know, although Daddy did great for me, but 
I felt inferior because for the first time, I'm feeling that I'm not a Samson. So that I start rebelling. I start causing my mom and dad all kinds of problems. So much so that when I was in the third grade, they had to take me to a psychiatrist to find out why I was rebelling like I was rebelling. Now, of course, I didn't know all of the inner workings of why I turned like I turned, but the insecurity, not feeling I was a who Samson, mm-hmm. was what turned me against, so to say, turned me against um, the right form of life. Right. Because again, you know, there were seven other sisters and brothers, you know, as time progressed, because I was the first. There were seven other sisters and brothers, but it had an effect on me. It had an effect on me up until I was, I'm, I'm 67 years old now, would be 68 July 11th. Up until my late 60s, I'm just appreciating life. Uh, actually, what changed the course, though? Now, again, I'm in my late 60s, but what really changed the course was when I applied a few years back for my passport. And my paperwork didn't coincide with what the people had at the passport office. Mm-hmm. So I had to call home and ask my mom, my mom to get, you know, get my other birth, uh, me the uh, birth certificate from, from uh, out of Newburgh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and then I told my mom that uh, they said something about my name. Well, I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking all my life, uh, uh, you know, as an adult, I thought I was, my first two years, I was a Starkey, mm-hmm. my mother's maiden name. But then because of the birth, the, the passport situation, I got to know. Now, somebody had told me years ago that I was a Starkey, all the t- I mean, a Samson all the time, but it didn't register. Right. It didn't register. So when I had to get that passport and the paperwork didn't jive with what I sent in, uh, my mom, I, I told my mom, uh, you know, I, I was a Starkey for the first few years, so something happened with the passport. She said, you were never a Starkey mm. with her maiden name. She she said, you were Samson all of your life. And I said, no, mama. You know, she said, I think I would know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so when she sent the the the, the um original birth certificate back i was i was named franklin lamont sampson from day one from the day i was born and something as small as a name you'd be surprised at what that did to me when i found out oh trying not to get emotional but when i found out that i was a sampson all of my life that had a an effect on me like nothing has ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. So all of those years, I was insecure and, and felt inadequate. But I was always a Samson all of my life. Although, yes, I had another a natural father. But Johnny Samson was the man that, that gave me a name. And I was one of I was one of of the eight not knowing, you know. And, and 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 grown people are the ones that, that ones that put that mess in my mind as a kid too. Right. Mind you. Because see grown people could be mean spirited. But anyway, back to the main point. I finally became a father uh uh felt adequate after I found out that I was a true Samson all the time. Mm-hmm. But going back to the point of my son, when he came there that's the first time I had ever embraced that kid in all the years of his life. But I embraced him 
because it came for one, but number two, I, I finally felt whole. Right. I finally felt that I that I was I, I, I was wanted. I mean, I was I was wanted within myself. So you know, this life we live can be can be messy. It can be. But, but then you got to go. I have to go back to the foundation because my mom and dad instilled in me love, in spite of me and my trying to reject everything that they did after a certain time. It came full circle of how much I really appreciated and how blessed I was and how much I thank God that they were my parents. Mm -hmm. But they never tried to push my natural father away. And and with with his his mother and, and um his father, uh grandma grandmother Arlena and granddad Andrew Green, they treated Johnny Samson my my dad just like he was their own son. So again I had all of the love but my insecurities set in at an earlier age because I didn't understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. And that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask, you know, if it, if it made a, if it, if the impact on your life was like that because you're a natural father, you knew about him. Mm-hmm. But did you ever like have, like, spend time with him or anything or, or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my dad, it hurt my dad. It, 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 it's probably good for you to have a conversation with my mother in the future. But it hurt my dad so much when I wanted to go to Patterson, New Jersey, where he was living at, mm-hmm. to live with him. Because, again, all this stuff was in my mind. Uh, rebelling, 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 rebelling. It was all in my mind at that time. And I went, and his uh, his uh, uh, friend, his female friend, uh, Lovey, which is my sister's, sisters and brothers uh sister and brother's mother she treated me just like i was a part of the family earl treated me like i was a part of the family mm-hmm. but living there for the month i think i lived there for a month i got to missing my family and i regretted leaving home so i went back to new Bern. you know i went back to new Bern. Yeah. so yes i was i was able to be a part of uh, of the natural father and his his sisters and brothers were super good to me. And my sisters. The beautiful part about it, my sisters and brothers wasn't treated with any disrespect. Uh, Grandma Arlena and, and Granddad Anna, they called they call them Grandma and Granddaddy. And they treated uh, myself and sisters and brothers just like they were their own kids. This is so powerful. Own grandkids. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was blessed. But again, my mind was so confused. I didn't, you know, it took me forever to get it straight. Mm-hmm. But oh my God. There was no animosity, none, none. There was no animosity with Johnny Sampson and, and, and Earl Green, none whatsoever. Right. There was natural respect. Wow. See, this stuff, this is stuff I didn't know. So I'm, I'm learning some stuff today, but I'm glad that you're saying that because there's so many people, men and women, black, and I'm going to continue saying black families because it has to be a narrative to hear mm-hmm. positivity that comes out of black families, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, some marriages or relationships didn't work out, but you know, the children, you know, there's children that, that come out of those relationships or friendships or whatever, whatever, how, however it happened, but you can still be respectful to one another. You can still, you know, raise your children and still have communication with both sides. But I understand that some are not like that. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, you know, unspoken words and their secrets and their, you know, so that causes a lot of like you said, messiness. 
And adults can really, really alter a child's mind at a young age because they want them to believe one thing and then they get into their adult life and they find out it was something completely different and that's where the damage happens. Mm-hmm. You know, well, so, now, yeah. Now, see, this is where mine was perfect, though. I had the perfect situation. Mm-hmm. The parents were in support of me, but again, after adults telling me as a child the difference, mm-hmm. that's what triggered me. So that's why mom and dad had to take me to the psychiatrist because I was rebelling so, and they was trying to do the best, and that's why they let me go to Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah. You know, not because they had thrown the tower in the ring. It was because they were trying to do the best to help me. Mm-hmm. But again, I have to say, you know, and, and I wish I would have appreciated mom and daddy much more than I did earlier on. But that love they gave, unconditional love. And sometimes parents, I, I, you know, people say, well, parents should do that. No, sometimes parents do go overboard and trying to pacify and appease kids because kids can be ruthless and Dog-ish. Yeah, they can. You know, they, they they really can, but I have to thank them for not turning their back on me, the backs on me, and yeah, I would just have to thank them for that. Right, right. So, now here's the other thing. Now, if I'm getting off track, please bring me back on track. This is your this is your your show, and I want to be respectful of your of your show. But here's the other thing, and maybe you will ask this question uh, uh, later on. But see, in spite of all of those insecurities, I knew better. Mm-hmm. And I started doing things that wasn't conducive to the, the, the law of the Bible, the law of society. Mm-hmm. You know, I see, okay, yeah, we talk about the six kids, but I have six kids, two each, by three different women. Right, right. And here's where the, the women come to play. They could have had animosity and turned those kids against one another. Mm-hmm. They could have had animosity. But as far as I know, the kids, you know, may not have always had a perfect bond, but the kids got to know each other, got to be with each other. Uh, they, coming to the boys, coming back to the boys. Now, their mother name was Cheryl. Mm-hmm. I would go get the, key, the boys from their home and bring them to my home. Our home in West Seattle. Then I would go upstairs until it's time for them to go home and, and take them home. I remember that. So, so see, here's where you know. Now, here's where the hypocrisy of me comes in because I knew better, because Daddy trained me better, but I was letting all those insecurities of myself get in, in uh, get in the way of being a good father to my kids, mm-hmm. my boys. Mm-hmm. Okay, six kids. Two each by three different women. And, you know, and you want a truthful, honest conversation, so I got to give it to you. Right. Uh, Sean and Shane by Cheryl. Seanette and Andrea by Sandy. Shamir and Santasha by Connie. Now, my oldest daughter, Santasha. Then there's five other kids on the tail end. uh, 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 Four of the kids right then. So that's five. Then on the tail end, I I get my baby girl after while I'm married to to Sandy. My so mama. my mm-hmm. two, my oldest and my baby are by the same mother. So here's that insecurity. I knew better, 
but I did wrong. Right. Sandy had uh, had the indignity of me, you know, getting another child while I'm married to her. But look how look how God blesses in spite of myself, in spite of the damage I did to my kids. Look how God allowed Sandy to accept and appreciate that baby as her own. Mm-hmm. So see that's a, see in spite of me, there's a good story coming out of this too. Oh yeah. God blessed my damage and dirt to the point that the mother, that the, the wife that I was married to accepted my oldest child and then had to accept my baby girl years later while I'm married to her. Mm-hmm. her. Now, ain't many human beings going to do that. No. So my point is, and not making a mockery of God's word, but in spite of me, God protected me and allowed a lady to have to accept the indignities of me getting a baby another baby while I'm married but but when when she knew that baby was mine and when she she asked me Sandy asked me one Saturday morning when Shawnee and, and uh, Santosha were cheering at Radio uh, yes I can see it all in my head <laughs> yeah they were cheering and she asked me she came home we were living at South Shore and asked me was she near my baby and I started to lie and say no because she had a hands in the pocket <laughs> <laughs> she already knew the truth, which is why she asked you. <laughs> yeah, but but the, the, the amazing thing, I'll start to say weird, but it's not a weird, it's amazing. From the time I told her Shamir was my baby until now, she's been a mother, uh, 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 given Shamir the, the love of a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, so much so, a few, uh, a couple years ago or so, they took a, uh, uh, a train from Seattle to Canada and a boat, I had a little retreat, took a boat from Canada back to Seattle. And they do things together all the time. So, again, in spite of me, God was in the midst because he made sure that this baby was loved. Mm-hmm. And now with her, I didn't think I had the, I had the rights to that baby. Sandy always told me to get Shamir. Yeah. It, it took just a few years ago, just a few years ago, for this baby to know, because she thought I was rejecting her, and she didn't know, and I didn't know that I had the rights to her. Well, I, actually, I didn't know. Right. So, but Sandy always wanted Shamir as hers, and she treats her as her own daughter. Right. So, 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 I am a blessed man. You know, you always hear all this negative stuff about black women, how mean spirited they can be, how doggish they can be, how they treat their men. That's the biggest lie, misconception in the world. Yeah, because not all do that. No, and very few do it. That's a misconception. I'm case case in point, right? With my daughter, you know. So there you go with that story right there. Yeah, and the mo and I I think the beautiful thing about that is, um, mom loves each one of her bonus babies as if they're hers. She shows up to everybody's birthday parties. She shows up for you know every any holiday. You know, as long as she's not working. And it's like the bond that she has with each one of them is beyond beautiful. And it's sad because a lot of people don't allow that to happen in their child's life or their children's life. And they have so much hurt and bitterness and anger. And I and I know my mom was hurt. I, I know she was, you know, but she holds herself so strong that you can't even tell when she hurts, you know. And I'm going to have to have her on, too, because that, that'll be a beautiful podcast as well. But um she she the strength and the love and the humbleness that 
that woman brings is something powerful. You know, her she's just she's just a beautiful when she could have walked away, could have and should have walked away. She didn't. She held in and she was like, all right, well, you know, I'm sure it wasn't that peachy, but, you know, (laughs) but she still made sure that all of us were taken care of in the same manner. It was not one over the other. No, she shared and showed love for all of us the same and still does to this day. And we're all grown, but we're all her babies, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's the narrative that always, that should continue to be out there. But I I know that's not the narrative that they want to paint in the public eye because there's so many black, there's so many good black men and there's so many good black women, you know? Uh And I think within the communities somewhere along the line, uh, so many forgot how powerful they can be as black women and men and they degrade themselves emotionally, mentally. Um, And then when they have children, they hurt their children. Like they say, the saying is, what is it? Uh, Hurt people, hurt people. And that's what they do, you know, versus just, but another thing though, growing up and being in a black community, therapy and counseling was not something that people talked about. Okay. And I think if that was a thing and was a narrative back in the day, like it is now, I think so many things would have been different for a lot of families. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to have an outlet. But again, who was your outlet back then? Because there wasn't a lot of black men or women counselors or therapists either. So then mm-hmm. that was a, a problem too, like there is mm-hmm. now. But um, do you think that's important, especially nowadays to have, you know, for for men and women to be able to have a therapist or counselor or or meditation? And of course, prayer is a part of that. But do you think that's important for for us to do? Hey, yeah, that stigma of going to counselors in in the black community is is sad within itself. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a stigma. You don't you don't get uh uh psychiatric help or treatment and stuff and th- that that that's a bad 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 stigma yes they need help they need someone they can talk with i was talking with someone in seattle a couple of days ago i won't call her name because she's a professional up there and she's got a a powerful position and i don't want to cause undue damage on her but as, as she was talking the other the other night when we were talking she was talking about um, the plight of the black man. She was just talking about Seattle, Washington, and as far as in the school system, mm, um, yep. and being able to uh, reach out to help the young black men and girls. Say there's very few, and then the system is so against a, a strong black man until they work against the black man. Yes. So, so and see, uh, and, and see, I, I can come with facts and history on that because I grew up in the civil rights era. I grew up marching home in New Bern, North Carolina. My, until my dad died, he was one of the most powerful civil rights workers and politicians in the state of North Carolina or anywhere for the, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And my mother, they were powerful, powerful people. But uh, with, with the, we wanted equal rights so bad. And not, look, not, don't, get, don't, don't misconstrue. I don't think I'm against civil rights. But there was a high price to pay when the schools were in- integrated, mm-hmm. and we lost the 
the bond and connections that we had with those black schools, all black schools with those black powerful men and women in those schools. You know, it took many years for it to, for it to dilute, but in these integrated schools, our kids aren't thought of with the regards and respect that we got from those black teachers growing up. Hey, you're not, you don't understand this because you weren't born in the era. Right. But those of us that were born in the era, we talk about it all the time. So that young lady, when she was telling me the other night about what, what's going on up there, it breaks your heart because our black men aren't allowed to be strong anymore. Listen. Not just, not just in the school system on these jobs. It, yeah. I, 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 on these, I, 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 I tell you what, I give, I won't degrade a company and I have, I have the rights to do it because I work there. But what I will do, and I can only talk about the Western Hotel, Seattle, Washington. To me, that was the best and greatest job I ever had because we were allowed, the black men and everyone were allowed to be a family there. Mm-hmm. And I have not yet been able to duplicate that family feel or spirit that I had at South, I mean, at, uh, at uh, Western. the Western Hotel, Seattle. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I, we used I, to come I, pick you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it, oh, it was a job that I loved dearly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's only... A few of us left now that used to work there, but um, there was a company, a powerful company that I worked for that uh, if I had to grade from A through E, I'd give it an E minus, you mm-hmm. know, because it didn't have, it, 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 it had a positive image outside, but on the inside, it wasn't a positive image. So get back to the point, our, 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 Black men have been castigated so bad until it's heartbreaking. Right. And in talking with that young lady the other day, it let me know just how bad it really is. It is. It really is. And there's so many amazing, and I always say this, and there's so many amazing black men out here that are dads, that work Mm -hmm. hard, that are single dads, that are... um, that probably got stuck in these bad relationships and didn't know how to get. But, you know, when you have children, you stay in them because you want to make sure that your children are well taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as far as like on jobs, they get paid less than they should. They're getting mm-hmm. next to nothing on these jobs because why? They're black or they don't look the part because their hair might mm-hmm. be in braids or they might have dreads or they might have natural hair and they're Afro. And you can't do mm-hmm. that. You can't be a strong black man. You can't even be an educated black man. No, you can mm-hmm. be. You can be, yeah. and it's okay to be. Or they don't want the black men in the home because why? They that that's too much. That's too powerful yeah. for a black man yeah. to be a part of the home and have a healthy relationship. They don't want that narrative, and that's a narrative that needs to continue being talked about and shared. And this, like on social media, I follow a lot of um, black pages, like Black Love, Black Men Can, Black, because it's it's so many narratives that paint black men and women in bad lights that you have to remind people that no there are many many educated smart intelligent strong black men out here and you but it's sad that they can't even allow themselves to be who they really want to be like father's day like that day it's not big in the black community because they paint the narrative that all dead, all black, all black men are deadbeats. That's not true. Or all black men are in jail. That's not true either. You know, no, they're out here making that sacrifice just as much as women are, if not more. Sometimes we just don't know about it because they don't talk about it. 
Mm-hmm. I know many good black men that are dads and, you know, single dads and making it happen every day. And they're trying to do the whole juggle and can have conversations with them. And it's just, it hurts to hear them talk about what they feel like on the daily basis, you know? And, um, it's just, it's like, mm -mm. I, I, I know it doesn't just our conversation alone or many conversations I've been hearing. Cause I, I like the fact that now, now more lately, now I've been hearing more, uplifting conversations about black men and it should have been something that should have been years ago but i understand why it wasn't but i'm glad that nowadays it's a thing to make it a point to you know make sure black men are uplifted and shined upon because they need to be you know um it's just i and i make sure with you know with my own son that i don't raise him I can only raise him one way from a woman's point of view, from a woman's standpoint, from a woman's nurturing, caring, loving position. But at the same time, I make sure strong black men are in his eyesight and they're in his life. And he can pick up the phone at any point in time and call any one of them and they'll be here for him. You know, Um, so I don't want him to be a part of the statistic just because he's born into, you know, to a single mom, just because he's black, because he's so much more than just black. He's so much more than just born to a single mom. He's intelligent. He's gifted. He's loving. He's caring. He is, he is him. He is a son of God. He is powerful. So I remind him of that on the days that he's starting to fail himself. Oh no, we don't do that son, you know? And it, and it's hard because there's not a lot of, black funded anything for these for for black children counseling sports um you know just education alone no you have to search far and wide or you you know the money they don't grant you money to do certain stuff because that's not a that's not the narrative so it makes it harder for a lot of these black youth to be able to really shine like they should. Unless you go to a different state, then they have all of that. Yes, yes. You know where it's majority black. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. No, no. Once, because this is on my mind, once this program is over, if we talk in private, I'll share with you the person that I'm talking about. And her program is designed to help those young black men. Oh, oh my it's gosh. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's a viable, great organization. So I'll share that with you. But again, I won't call her name because I don't want to put any in, in uh, uh, undue um, uh, adverse uh, uh, spotlight on her that the system may use against her. Right. Oh no. Right. Yeah. So unfortunately, you have to. You, you have to. Isn't it sad that you have to protect your people because you don't want the system to destroy them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is very sad. Lord have mercy. Okay. And I'm. I'm. You, you were the moderator of this, this show. I'm sorry. If I'm going overboard, please bring me back in because I respect you as a moderator. Oh no, you're good, Daddy. <laughs> it's all good. I um. So for throughout the years, how has how have you as yourself been able to heal from your childhood traumas that you know like you you were talking about that you you kind of brought upon because you were you had insecurities how has that 
helped you to be able to be the man that you are today? Well, you, you, you know, that, that's, that's interesting that you should ask. Because, I, again, I'm just rounding into the person I want to be. Uh, because of my insecurities. And some of these insecurities could have been uh, let go many years ago. But, again, when you're an insecure person, it's hard to let those things go. Right. The one person that has always been a constant. And now, I got a strong faith in God. But that I have to make sure I expound upon. I have a strong, strong faith in God. Mm -hmm. But I also know the powers of Satan. If we that have faith in God don't trust God enough, mm-hmm. Satan can come in and mess with your mind. Oh, but yeah. My friend James Jones in Seattle, Washington, was one of the ones that all that was always there from the time we first met when we were working at Sears. In the parking lot at Sears, when we were first working there, I mean, when we first met, from the time I met him until now, James and I have been great best of friends. So, because of my, just recently, last week we talked, and it, the, the, it was, the friendship was valid, revalidated and solidified because of a conversation we had going on old stuff that we used to talk about. Mm-hmm. But bringing it up to the modern times, not just with buddy buddy talk, but with politics, the church leadership with families and stuff. We, 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 we just revisited and brought about new stuff to talk about. So that friendship with James Jones was, was the most important friendship that I, I had ever had at, at that point when I was in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. And with his wife at the time, girlfriend, but now wife, Linda, the, when I couldn't, feel confident at home not because of anything that was going on with my wife but with me the insecurities with me those people was always there mm-hmm. always there reassuring me james told me many many years ago take your burdens to the lord and leave them it took me decades for me to understand that and finally take those burdens to the lord and leave them and lord have mercy leaving them it has been it has been great. It has been great for me. Now I do have another friend in New Bern, North Carolina, Nick Lovick, uh, from a gospel group, the New Diamond Jubilee, that was equally uh, supportive of me. And just we just recently talked, mm-hmm. you know, extremely supportive of me, and helped strengthen me from my insecurities. And see, black men don't like to talk about the insecurities either, because they they think somebody gonna think they're weak. Right. No, it's not about weakness. It's about you got some insecurities in your life. So find somebody to talk to that can help you overcome this mess. If some of these kids, these black youth now that are getting in major trouble with all these killings that's going on, and I ain't talking about 10, 15 years ago. I'm talking about recently. Right. If they had somebody to talk to, it would help them in the society we live in now. Oh, yeah. You know, so... I left home going to Seattle with all those insecurities, put problems on other people that was trying to help me. But then God put James Jones right there to be a friend of mine from the time we met in that parking lot at Sears until two today. And we still he's still we're still strengthening strengthening each other. 
So it's a blessing from God. Nick Lover and I still talk, still strengthening me. And now, again, with all those insecurities I had, I, in most cases, I couldn't complete as good as I am and was. I couldn't complete anything because my insecurities made me go from here to there to here to here to here to here, trying to fit in in my mind, not with other people, because people have always always received me, but I didn't receive myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, so many people, men and women, because they don't reach out or don't know how to receive the love and, and, and help the people given, uh, some of them fall through the cracks and never will regain um, a sense of sanity or happiness in life. But I've been blessed enough to have that sanity and happiness in life, you know, because right. people were there to assist me and I finally surrendered myself to the workings of God to accept this, this, this self that people are giving me directly and indirectly. Mm-mm. You know what? I see we're going to have to have a part two. I see this already. Okay. But, um, <laughs> no, we still got some time. We still got some time. Before it starts flashing at me, but, um, that, you know, when you were saying about like, you're having your, those two friends by your, by your side in your life. And I think that's very important too, because as black men, just like women have, you know, they have their group of friends they can go to that are trustworthy, you know, and give them good advice and will hold them accountable and tell them when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. men should have that same thing. And I know a lot do, but I know it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's sad because they're not allowed to portray that because men aren't supposed to get along like that. You know, black mm-hmm. men aren't supposed to be there for each other like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's just like, it's sad because again, it, it holds black men back because you can't really yeah. show your affection for your friend and, you know, just yes. let them know that they deeply appreciate, you know, you deeply appreciate them or you love them and it'd be okay. Because that wasn't a narrative, you know. And I'm glad that, again, now, it's starting to be more of a thing. Because, you know, the suicide rate, just alone in the black community, is very high. But no one talks about that. What rate? The suicide rate. Okay, okay. Uh uh And then, you know, um, they always just, like I said, they always want to make it seem as if they're... Uh, as if black men are deadbeats, as if they're all all in jail, and as if you know they're they're thugs, and it, that's not mm-hmm. that's not the narrative though. That's not mm-hmm. the narrative, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's it is more powerful to continue speaking positively into and about black men more than it is mm-hmm. speaking about negative situations, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's powerful that you have that because there's some men out here that still don't have that because they can't trust their insecurities they've been through so much stuff in their childhood that Uh they still can't trust people correctly Uh which is sad Uh but um Uh but yeah is there is there um is there yeah we are gonna have to do a part two but is there any is there a positive message that you would like to leave um our listeners today with yeah the positive message is my son, Shane Sampson. He didn't have, he nor his brother Sean had the leadership from his father when they were young. But now I'm going on Shane because he's the one I have the most contact with now. That man has done a remarkable job in raising his sons. Oh my gosh, yes. Sorry. I, 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 you talk about my dad raising us, the eight of us, 
Shane, that, that guy's one of the most remarkable men that I know on this earth because not having had a, he had a, a father in name, but he didn't have a father in spirit and feelings. But this, the, the, the love he's given his sons is second to none. That includes my daddy. That mm. it is amazing. So the positive I can give is just because you don't have a man there doesn't mean that you don't you won't turn into be a good man because he didn't have me as a father there, but he turned he has turned into be a great father for his sons. So that's the positive I can leave on this conversation. I appreciate that. I also appreciate you taking time out because I know because of our three hour difference, it's been rough for us to both get on the same schedule. <laughs> but I truly, truly, truly appreciate you taking the time out. But we are going to do a part two because okay. there is more that I would like to talk about. Um, okay. But I want to tell you how much I love you, how much I appreciate yeah. you, how much you uh, being the man uh, you are today. Uh, has continued to help me to be the woman I am today and helping me and shaping me to be able to raise my children from a dad's side and to be able to no longer accept these halfway relationships from guys, but be able to accept a relationship from a man to be a part of my life and in my life. Without you, I wouldn't be able to have that. And I want to tell you, thank you. And I love you from the bottom and the top of my heart. How much I appreciate you. Jesus. Woof. This is powerful. And thank you. Hey, when would this, th- when would this uh, podcast be broadcast? Because I got to get some audience on this. <laughs> I'm going to upload it as soon as we're done. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, God. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daddy. Um, I am grateful that we had this time, but I know we're going to do another one together. So I, and I cannot, I cannot wait for that day. Um, Mm -hmm. but to, um, all my, we listeners, thank you so much for tuning in with us. You guys believe me, there's going to be a part two. And if you guys have any questions, you guys know how to find me. I'm on Instagram. Um, yeah. Thank you for enjoying our time. I mean, thank you for enjoying your time with us and we will have part two coming soon.